my struggles are often more visible than most people's struggles. We need suffering for uh, to get to heaven. Hey friends, we're still at the conference of the Coalition for Cancel Priests and there's a fellow running around in a wheelchair and uh, he's doing podcasting from here. He's got no arms, he's got two feet which are, he uses basically like hands, totally fascinating, a man of great faith. His name is Connor McHugh. He runs Plotlines, which is like a podcast, he's now on YouTube. But fascinating. It, it, he's, you would think, disabled. He's actually very abled. But what's more incredible is that this young man is a man of awesome faith. He's here at this conference and he's rocketed with all sorts of folks. He was inspired by Taylor Marshall, got to meet him, not here, but at a previous conference. The guy is doing so well. He is an inspiration. If you think, you know, often people think of this, this guy, you'd think, oh, there's the poster child for abortion. That's why. Well, actually, listen to him. His name is Connor McHugh, and he's coming up right now on The John Henry Weston Show. Take a look at this. This is Cardinal Burke talking in 2017 about demonic forces entering the church at that time in 2017. Hard to believe that so long ago. This was given at Rome Life Forum, a conference that LifeSite has been running since 2014, actually. Do you know that we're running another one this year, October 31st and November 1st? That is right at the end of this horrific Synod on Synodality. October 31st, November 1st, 2023. Come join us in Rome. Go to romelifeforum.com for more information. Watch Cardinal Burke give this snippet on demonic forces entering into the Vatican from his talk at Rome Life Forum in 2017. It seems clear from the most respected studies of the apparitions of Our Lady of Fatima that it has to do with the diabolical forces unleashed upon the world in our time and entering into the very life of the church. For the recovery of peace will be a gift from heaven, but it is not properly speaking the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Her victory is of another order, supernatural, and then temporal by addition. It will first be the victory of the faith which will put an end to the time of apostasy and the great shortcomings of the church's pastors. Connor McHugh, welcome to the program. Thank you, Johnny. Let's begin as well as do with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So um, here we are. We're at the Coalition for Cancelled Priests Conference. You are, you run a podcast, what's it called? The Plot Lines. Okay, so Connor's here and he's doing interviews with various people, various speakers, just people generally, they're talking about all sorts of things. He had me on his podcast and uh, I thought it'd be great to have you on my show. Um, so Connor, you're in a very unique situation. You're, you're doing podcasting, but you're here in a wheelchair. And tell us about what life is like for you because you're not, um, how's it going? Well, it's going really well, and it's uh, it's great 
meeting you and uh it was great talking to you on my podcast um as well as a lot of different people um kennedy hall and stuff and uh eric sammons was here yesterday uh but you know it's you know it's it has its ups and downs like any life uh my struggles are often more visible than most people's struggles uh so that you know it it has its it's a you know it involves more suffering in different ways and uh we need suffering for uh, to get to heaven so uh, especially to make us saints uh, yeah. that that's very powerful a, a lot of people would say you know there's, there's a lot of people make the argument and I'll just say it anyway that you know uh that that's why we would not want someone to live like that. And yet, your life is there. Yes, suffering. Everyone, you're right, everyone has suffering. But yours is, as you said, particularly visible. You've obviously thought about this a lot. Um, your faith life is really striking. Like, it's really, really striking. Where did that come from? So I really attribute it a lot to my family, as well as just special graces that the Lord has given to me really he's just had an incredible impact on my life and he's very much been um, guiding it for ever since i was born uh so do you want me to talk a little bit about uh my birth and stuff like that absolutely because a lot of people would would think you know given your situation a lot of people will say well i'm gonna be angry at our lord yeah i mean there are times i i think it's uh, good to admit that uh, I've been angry with our Lord uh, <laughs> at different times. He, uh, he's he's a difficult father sometimes. <laughs> at least from our perspective, in, in, it's more because of us that he's a difficult father, not not because of him. Obviously, he's perfect in every possible way, uh, but we we fail a lot, and uh, you know perseverance is so important. But so I was born uh, 24 years ago. Uh, and I'm the fourth of four ch uh, children. I, so my parents knew that I was gonna be, uh, that it was, they could see it on the <clears throat> ultrasound that I was gonna be born different. Um, and it, it's interesting, when they learned that uh, the, um, the, I think it was uh, one of the doctors or nurses or somebody was like, you know, uh, something like something to the fact of you know it's too late for an abortion hmm. and they were like we weren't thinking about that to begin with so um but uh but yeah so i was so everyone kind of knew that i was uh coming and that i was going to have uh you know difficulties they didn't really know how much you know what was that going to look like and that sort of thing so I, you know, I was born in, uh, into this world and it, um, I was born healthy. So what's kind of crazy is, you know, people probably would think that I would be born uh, with a lot of health problems because you look at me and you think, okay, he doesn't have hands, uh, his feet are a little odd, uh, he can't walk, you know, I've heard a number of people have asked me if I'm paralyzed. I'm not paralyzed. Uh, so that wasn't part of it. Um, I, I don't know how common that is from a birth perspective, like to be paralyzed from birth. I don't know how, it's, to me that sounds un, un, uh, <coughs> unlikely. But 
it it's uh but one so the big thing was they went around to a bunch of different doctors and just you know i had some surgeries done on my feet um i also have a scoliosis as well but that that has miraculously stayed pretty consistent so scoliosis is, is basically curving of the back and that can worsen over time and really it worsens mostly in uh when you're young so mm -hmm. once you're an adult it it tends to not uh change because you've grown you're, you're you, you know you're no longer growing and then it, it basically um you know it, it uh so basically if you can make it past uh uh, when you can make it to adulthood without any problems in that area, then you know that's that's pretty, or then you'll you're most likely good to go from there. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we, so my parents went around asking different people. I think we went one of the places they took me to Shriners, okay, which is uh, a Freemason uh, run clinic, I guess. Yeah, uh, and they suggested chopping off my my feet oh yeah <laughs> now one of the things that's truly fascinating um is that connor uses his feet for everything he can operate a phone a computer uh can take the lanyard off his neck himself <laughs> um it's really fascinating i mean because you're like totally able that's what i'm saying you're so able in so you've got no arms, or you've got a little bit of an arm. A little bit of arms, but yeah. um, nothing, nothing much. Right there, but the the way you're able to use your feet is incredible. I mean, like I almost want to ask, can you play piano? Because <laughs> the dexterity was like, wow. Um, seriously, watched him search on the computer and then go flip through his phone and just like get yeah, whatever. How in the world do you talk on the phone? Oh, I just put it, hold it up to my. Uh, okay. Ear. And how do you get it to your ear? Well, from foot to yeah. to, uh, to shoulder. Foot to shoulder. Yeah, I don't know about you, but that's pretty hard for me to do. I can touch. Um, I can touch my uh, my foot to my head. Like I like yeah. that, I'm I'm just oddly, <laughs> I'm just oddly flexible. <laughs> I think it's because I'm missing a rib. Oh. I'm missing a rib. Okay. So I think it's uh so I think it's easier to be flexible that way. When I was in seminary, I was reading a book by Henry Nouwen. He talked about a nuclear man, you know, and people who grew up in the 1980s were kind of formed by that immediate and constant threat of nuclear annihilation. My generation has grown up, you know, under the specter of priestly sexual abuse. What say you, Mr. Four Person? Is the defendant guilty or not guilty? I think that for many of us, that has also been all-encompassing, you know, I mean, I entered the seminary in January of 2004, and it's basically been there for me from in the beginning. I want to get back to your faith life, because it, yeah. it's truly inspiring. I mean, You've got a really, really deep faith. When did that come on? Like, you know, take us through that a little bit. How'd you get there? Yeah, so as a kid, I became more political than anything else. Uh, I watched Obama versus 
Romney debates, and I thought Obama was going to be was, was really cool. And then my mother told me that he supports abortion, and that really crushed me. And mm -hmm. it sort of that sort of turned me away from sort of the Democratic Party. Mm -hmm. it just that just I, I, it wasn't so much that I knew I was a Republican or anything like that or a conservative. I just knew I wasn't them. I, I wasn't with them, the, the, you know. That Especially that he was, he was, he was really charismatic. His, his speaking style was very charismatic. It was, he's a, kind of a likable guy. Um, and then to learn that he supports abortion. And, and <clears throat> in your family, that must have been a, a big deal because they would have gone through that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so I didn't, I didn't really get it from a, Personal context necessarily. I mean, I think I eventually sort of understood how it could be a how it could personally affect me. It was more just in of itself. It was you know it just mm. seemed it was just completely at odds with well. I mean, how my parents raised me. So I just uh, you know knowing that, then I was uh, you know it just set me down a path. Um, I always knew. So I went to Catholic school, Catholic grade school, and. Uh, it was fine. It wasn't anything special, I don't think. Uh, interesting enough, though, back then, uh, the the district, the public district, actually provided me an aid for a while, hmm. and then they needed to take away that aid. I don't know if it was for money reasons or what it was, or they didn't want to work with a Catholic school anymore or something like that, but it, it actually helped me become <clears throat> more independent. I hmm. needed to do more things on my own, I needed to like ask other students for help if I needed it, and to be, to be honest, when you're asking people for help, you and it's not somebody like who's directly responsible to help you. It makes you not want to ask anyone for help. <laughs> so it makes you want to do the thing that you may ask for help doing. But if you can do it, why not just do it yourself and you know obviously try things. So like you know I just. Um, so like that that was my mentality but when when it comes to faith that really uh it really i was propelled more into my faith uh in college up until then i had really just accepted um i had accept sort of accepted catholic teaching i i told myself i believed whatever the catholic church taught i didn't really know it that well i felt like we learned more about uh the old testament in in grade school than we did learn about anything related to Christ, which was kind of weird. So I didn't really, it's not like I knew a lot. It's just that I uh, submitted myself to the Catholic Church. Uh, and then, and you know, I, I went to mass every Sunday. Like I never, I didn't avoid that. But in high, and so in se my senior year in high school, I had sort of a, just a, a sort of a traumatic uh, experience uh, that propelled me into a heavy anxiety. So I I was in and out of classes like I could not stay in classes sometimes like I just like from then on I basically was just had so much anxiety about things that I you know it was very difficult to um, finish out high school uh, and you know I went to a psychiatrist uh, to help figure that out I wanted to be able to I wanted to be able to walk at graduation not literally walk of course uh, um, but so that uh, and interesting enough in that with that psychiatrist or I I don't know if it was a psychiatrist or a psychologist I don't mm -hmm. understand the difference necessarily but 
she asked me because I had been trouble been having trouble specifically at church staying mm. staying through mass staying through all of mass and I wasn't able to a lot of the time and going up for communion was the worst mm. like it was the most painful thing to do like I would get I would shake I would you know like it was just like I would get numb like it was just terrible because mm. it's like because at the standard Novus Ordo parish, it's a little different at the TLM. You you know, it's you're boxed in on like all sides when you're walking up for communion because it's not like because it's just you know there's no uh, communion rails. It's not like you're going up to the communion rails, which I think communion rails are just so much more helpful to that. If if somebody is like you know claustrophobic or something like that or have anxiety it's really hard to go into that like really long uh, communion line so I more I would stay back in the back and then I'd go up at the end because I you know that was the only way that I would basically feel comfortable going up for communion and even that was hard um, but you know the psychologist asked me in that circumstance do like do I believe in what do, do I believe in my faith like you know, if like basically, if I believe, I shouldn't be anxious. I shouldn't have a problem with it. Mm -hmm. It um, and that at that and you know, she taught me a lot of different ways to manage uh, anxiety, which was great. And I was able to walk at graduation and do all those things. And then I was moving on to college, and I don't know why, but I just I, her tools made it much easier. So I. Uh, had a much more manageable anxiety uh, going into college, hmm. but it, it still was sporadically a problem. And there were certain times when I would I'd miss mass. I wouldn't go to mass, or you know sometimes I'd even create a situation that I'd be more anxious in, and then I'd purposefully miss mass, and that was really hard. But I, I really I and that was sophomore year. I worked my way through. I was like okay. If if this is the truly the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ, I have to I have to do this. Like I, I and I didn't really understand that you didn't actually have to receive our Lord uh, every time you went to mass. Which in hindsight, you know, it's it's kind of interesting. I think we're all really um, trained to believe that everyone has to go up for communion, and, and even that everyone is worthy of going up for communion but but that was just that was my understanding and so it was hard to go to church because I knew communion was going to come up and then I was going to have to go up and even then just staying in church was sometimes hard but but basically I just I you know I I, I don't even know if this was technically a I don't know if it was a sin but I I went to confession I told my priest at home I didn't tell him at school I told him that I was I wasn't wasn't missing or I was missing church because of anxiety and stuff like that and I was just I was you know making myself miss church and um, he introduced me to Padre Pio so the, the saints were a, a big help to that but just also telling myself that this is important enough to do it to go and I you know I eventually was able to sort of overcome that and then uh, uh, what was it the summer the summer before covid uh i is that called the summer of shame or what's the one is that the year before i can't remember but uh what not sure myself okay 
Dr. Taylor Marshall became very popular on YouTube, and I found a lot of his videos. And I wasn't, I, I've always been interested in history, so there was a lot of stuff he was doing regarding like um, recent politics and history, so is my, are two of my big interests. And he was doing some interesting stuff in that area uh, back then, and I, uh, basically, I found the Latin Mass that way. And I really just threw myself into sort of learning about uh, more about the faith and just, it just opened up so many doors and my understanding of things. I actually started my podcast originally because I just wanted to tell, sto tell stories, but because I'm hoping to one day write novels. Um, and I thought, well, I can, maybe if I talk about what I like talking about, maybe people might be interested in the book eventually. Uh, but, and then people like, I, uh, I connected with Charles Coulombe and I connected with some people that like, people like listening to. And I was like, okay, I guess I should make like a YouTube channel because this is, you know, people want to see these people like on, on screen, not just over audio. So I really... I, that's how I started my show, and it, you know, all of it kind of coincides with my faith. You know, the, the story of how I became more faithful, and I, I've, you know, COVID has really been a blessing in disguise in a lot of different ways. But um, you know, it, all that stuff has just come together in what I, what my faith life looks like right now. How has your family um, responded to the way you've developed? You're, you know, you're a young man now with having overcome a ton and you're a very faithful fellow you've got a podcast you've got all these things going what's your family like my mom was uh kind of in some ways dragged along by my dad to church when we were younger you know not not dragged but uh just she she wouldn't have necessarily mind not going to church back in the day but my dad you know he he thought going to church was a very important thing. He put us in Catholic schools. My mom probably wouldn't necessarily have cared at the time. But then she became more, over the, over the course of my life, she listened to relevant radio more and more. And uh, I, I've helped her come more towards tradition and stuff like that. And my dad's sort of following along uh, like slowly but surely uh, behind us. Um, I don't have as much influence on my siblings necessarily they're all older and you know a lot of the stuff that I went through you know they had already sort of they've already been on, on their own doing what you know they're doing uh, since then so you know it, it was not, nothing nothing special when I was a kid so uh, you know nothing special about our family necessarily just an average suburban family. Now how did you get into tradition from how did you even discover that? Yeah, it was really Taylor Marshall. Okay. Uh, him and Charles Coulomb, the combination. I, I share a lot more interests with Charles because he, uh, he likes history, and uh, I am a bit of a fan of monarchy as well, and he's very much in, into that. And just the historical aspect of it, he just brings a lot to his, bring things back to history. And uh, Taylor just really opened more sort of my eyes to more of the faith that isn't discussed, that isn't uh, presented 
by a lot of people and isn't seen. It's just, you know, the Latin Mass isn't uh, something that you just go into church, any church and you'll find. It, you have to seek it out. And how, how do you get people to seek something out that they don't know exists? Hmm. So he just helped uh, me see that. And, and then it just so happened that at my um, Newman Center, at my uh, high school, or sorry, college Newman Center, on the and uh, it's so because it's a Newman Center, we celebrated the uh, the canonization of John Henry Newman, mm -hmm. and it was interesting. They had a Latin Mass for uh, mm -hmm. the for the canon to celebrate the canonization, okay. and the logic was, let's celebrate Mass how he would have celebrated Mass, <laughs> and I just kind of looked around and was like. Uh, Okay, can we do that for every, can we do that uh, for every saint's feast day? Can we just cel have celebrate mass how each saint would have celebrated mass? I think it would be uh, maybe a better mass. That's great. That's great. Have you ever met Taylor Marshall? Yeah, we met uh, in October uh, at the Blessed Charles Symposium. Okay. Uh, I met him and Charles Gloom. Okay, and did you get him on your show? Yeah, he's been on. Oh, uh, very good. Yeah. Very good. Excellent. Hello, friends. To celebrate the momentous overturning of Roe v. Wade, we at LifeSite have minted just under 10,000 of these brand new limited edition pro-life silver rounds. Now, each round is stamped with the image of the Supreme Court of the United States featuring the date that the High Court delivered this historic victory. And on the front of our pure silver rounds, LifeSite's logo surrounded by a brilliant sunburst and draped with olive branches. They, of course, commemorate our 25-year anniversary of LifeSite News. We began in 1997 in September, so September of 2022 was 25 years. These one ounce silver rounds are available from our partners at stjosephspartners.com where you can fulfill all of your silver and gold needs in this perilous time. May God bless you. What's, what's your message to young people who face challenges? Not necessarily like yours, but like you said, everybody has got hardship in their lives that they have to deal with, that they have to offer it up, and it seems sometimes like it's, God's not that hard and not that easy to deal with yeah so what i'd say is make sure you do a morning offering every morning that's something i've only started doing that recently it's not something i've done for my entire life though my mom had us do it in the car ride to school and stuff like that so that was kind of normal but i got away from it you know when it wasn't when it was not just my mother and i but it's something that's come back for me it's really just important to f figure out, maybe even, maybe pick something that uh, you, or pick someone you know who's struggling with other things, not necessarily with, uh, with physical challenges, but offer it up for them too, because there's, you know, there's merit in that. And don't necessarily let yourself, don't let the world, so the world right now basically says we want to accommodate everything. We want to make things happen for everyone in the same way. But don't ever let if you're struggling with physical challenges, if you, you know, if you can't do certain things, don't let th them change sort of how the world works just to fit your needs because that doesn't because just because it fits your needs doesn't mean it's going to be good for everyone either. And uh, it, it's kind of accept that 
there will be hardships. That's kind of the point is that not everything can be adapted to you, you know. I was so I was a football coach, like I or I was a football manager when I was a kid. I didn't join a football I'd never wanted to be on a football team in so far as like somehow <clears throat> tackling people or anything like that. That's the best example I can think of in that situation. You, you don't want you don't want the thing that you want to do to change uh, incredibly just to accommodate you. You you know try and figure out ways to get involved in different things, but at the end of the day, you know, trust in God and you know, accept the problems that you're going to go through and uh, strive for as far as God, you know, is willing to take you. Don't try and force it. Were you a good football coach? So I was a special teams coordinator. We did have a kick return for a touchdown. Mm. One, and that's, uh, that's pretty rare for, uh, <laughs> of course, that was like seventh grade, but you know, I don't know. I thought, I thought it was a decent coach. When, uh, how long was that? So that was four years, uh, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, and eighth grade. And then I became a football manager in high school. That wasn't so much fun. <laughs> they didn't let me do much for that. So it was, it was kind of a downgrade. It felt like, you know, I felt like I got demoted a little bit. But that's okay. That, you know, God basically said, because at one point I wanted to be a football coach. Mm -hmm. But that's not what God had intended for me. You know, he sort of, he had to kick me out slowly of that mindset in order to get me into a mindset where I'm doing where I'm doing this. So Connor, what are you doing right now for work and, and things like that? So I'm uh, mainly podcasting. So actually, because of COVID, uh, I I've moved online for classes, okay. because COVID just kind of COVID made college very difficult. Mm -hmm. Not because of any of my physical needs just because I hated online school like the way it was done by colleges that aren't usually online anyways I just uh, so I'm finishing my bachelor's degree at the moment and uh, I'm probably gonna be doing tutoring as well tutoring uh, younger uh, you know students and stuff like that so stuff like that I don't really know where God has what has what God has in store for my career Whatever that means. What's your major? It's a very general major. I don't even remember what it's called. Yeah. <laughs> it's at the University of Mary in uh, North Dakota. Yeah. Online. So you getting a general arts degree? Yeah, it's a. I think it's a BS actually. A bachelor of science. Yeah. Okay. But I I don't know if I think they name it a little differently there than uh, other schools. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite spiritual book? Um, Confessions by Augustine. Wow. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, last word over to you. What would you like to tell our listeners? Uh, just thank you guys for watching. I, um, I, uh, I'm very honored to be uh, talking to you on your show and thank you for having me and uh, thank you for all the work you do. Praise God. Connor, where can they find you again? Your name of your of your podcast, of your video, of your show on YouTube. You're still on YouTube. Stay there. <laughs> uh, so it's Plot Lines. So you can also find it on any podcast. Uh, it's on Spotify and um, uh, what is it? So you know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, that type of thing. It's also on Rumble. 
though that's not not my focus at the moment, uh, but it probably should be. Um, <laughs> so yeah, plot lines on YouTube, and then uh, if you look up Connor McHugh on Twitter, you'll find me there. That's where, and then I have a Discord if anybody wants to sort of uh, communicate with me sort of online you know, uh, and, and follow my work. Uh, you can find that just on any of my YouTube videos. They'll, there's a link to that. Beautiful. Connor McHugh, great to be with you, my man. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you, and God bless all of you. And we'll see you next time. Hi, everyone. This is John Henry Weston. We hope you enjoyed this program. To see more like it, be sure to hit the subscribe button below to get all the latest content from LifeSite News. Check the links in the description to read more and connect with us on social media so that you can stay up to date with all the latest life, family, faith, and freedom news. Thanks for watching, and may God bless you.